Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, and it is July the 27th, 2018. Um, and I hope that all of you have had a great week. Hope things are going well this uh, middle of the summer time of year. All kinds of heat and craziness in New York. We're under a flood warning. Uh, goodness, somebody did not pay the weather bill, I think. <laughs> But anyway, it's good to join you at the end of the week to play that game of catch-up. And boy, there's so much to catch up on. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with me, you know that I'm a retired INS senior special agent. And for 30 years, I enforced and administered our nation's immigration laws. And it gave me an insight into the true importance of America's borders and immigration laws that most people uh, don't have and that the media, for the most part, won't discuss. So we're going to be digging into some of that today. But first, I want to remind you about a couple of websites I want you to visit. I'd like you to go check out Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. My latest article was just posted. It's called Lies of the Soros-Backed Immigration Lobby, the subtitle, Why Americans Should Worry About Their Dishonest Agenda. This one is going to blow your mind. If you haven't read the article yet, please go to the website, but do it after the show. If you like it, please let as many people as you can know about the article, know about this program, because the wheels are really coming off the wagon. Between the Occupy ICE movement and the craziness that's out there, you cannot make this stuff up. So first of all, please go to frontpagemag.com. Also, the social contract uh, where I've got articles posted, and I'm working now on the fall edition I've got the lead story, folks. You're going to love it. I'm not going to tell you the title till it's about to be published, but um, we pulled no punches. It's time to stop the lies and the nonsense and the propaganda and deal with reality. What a novel thought. That's what this problem, what this program does, what this problem does, too, is to deal with reality. I just returned home, you should know, raced into my uh, house where I do my program, uh, I just taped a segment for the uh, Ingram Angle on Fox News that airs 10 o'clock this evening, New York time, East Coast time, check listings where you are. Uh, and I um, got into a debate with Francisco Hernandez, an immigration lawyer. Uh, not much of a debate, though, I will tell you. And, and the premise, this blew my mind. You know, for all the times that I've been jumping up and down and saying, nobody talks about the 9-11 Commission, nobody talks about the 9-11 Commission, 
there, lo and behold, was none other than Nancy Pelosi. Yes, that Nancy Pelosi. And she was talking about how the Democrats want border security because it's something the 9-11 Commission demanded, but the Republicans don't want border security. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. I almost fell out of my chair in the Fox studios here in New York City. Um, I'm very happy that Laura is giving me these opportunities to be on the program. This is, I think, my third appearance in the last month uh, on the Ingram Angle. She does a good job, not because she has me on, but it, it was a good segment. And the lunacy of Nancy Pelosi blows me away. Um, you know, a while back I watched a very funny routine done by comedian Dennis Miller where he said that Pelosi was so bad that he was convinced she sleeps upside down. Every time I see her on TV, I kind of imagine her kind of sleeping upside down with a, with a folded cape or something like a bat. This was incredible. Nancy Pelosi and her party, and, you know, I hate to say I'm registered as a Democrat, full disclosure. I am. I've always said the Democratic Party had morphed into a creation uh, of, of I don't know what, but certainly they're not Democrats. And suddenly here's Nancy Pelosi saying something that I've been saying ever since the towers came down, talking about the failures of border security, the admission of aliens into the country who commit acts of terror. It was a quick segment, a little bit too quick. I didn't get to make all the points I wish I had had the time to make. But what I'm finding encouraging, and I really love that uh, Laura is doing this, Laura Ingram is doing this, she said that she was going to you know, basically do a deep dive into immigration fraud and all this other business that's going on. That was the area where, of course, Pelosi was missing in action. But Laura Ingram made it clear that we're going to take a hard look at fraud. Folks, music to my ears. I hope she does that. I hope that uh, I'll be invited back to have these conversations. You know, I wrote an article for the social contract. It was the key piece, immigration fraud, the lies that kill. There were so many requests of the publisher for more information that they had me do a booklet by the very same title, Immigration Fraud, the Lies that Kill. What I was talking about was visa fraud, immigration benefit fraud, how the aliens who attacked America, not only on 9-11, but other terrorists, most of them, almost all of them, committed one form of immigration or visa fraud or another, period. Whether they lied to the inspector at the airport, you know, the 9-11 Commission even missed this point. You know, they listed which ones committed fraud. Every one of them, in my view, committed fraud. When you come to the United States and you speak to that inspector at the port of entry, a job I did for four years, I'm very, very, very familiar with it. The first thing you ask the arriving aliens, what is the purpose for your visit and how long do you plan to stay? I really, truly doubt, can't imagine, that any one of those slime buckets, and not just the 9-11 terrorists, the others that they talked about in the 9-11 Commission report, I doubt that any of these bits of human detritus said to the inspector, Inspector, I am here to carry out a deadly attack in your country. We want to kill lots of Americans. I don't think they said that. I think they said we're coming to be students. We're coming to, to um, have sushi. I don't know what the hell they said they were coming for. But I guarantee you that every one of them lied to the inspector at the port of entry. The ones who had visas lied on their visa applications. This is one lie on top of another lie on top of another lie. And let's remember 
that in the aggregate, the 19 hijacker terrorists who carried out the 9-11 attacks in the aggregate, they used more than 360 false sets of ID, variations of false names and so forth. All about fraud, the lies that kill. And that was the point. And so I really hope that Laura Ingram will do that deep dive into immigration fraud. I'd love to help uh, illuminate the issue for her, but more importantly, for the audience. This is why DACA is so dangerous, you see. Everything flows from this vulnerability. And the point that I tried to make, and I'm not really sure, you know, when you're in the middle of a TV interview, you don't know how well you did or how poorly you did until you get to go home and watch the video because it, it, it comes by and goes quickly and it's over. But the point that I was trying to make was that Pelosi spoke and said, in part, the 9-11 Commission talked about border security. In part, they talked about immigration fraud. And I tried to wedge that in because Francisco wouldn't stop talking. And, um, frankly, Laura was, was fired up and, and there was just too much going on. This is a conversation that needs to be had in a very calm environment. So we could go down the list so we can understand that defending America requires more than a wall on the U.S.-Mexican border. That's not to say we don't need the wall. We do. Okay. But let me go back to an analogy that I've been using again and again and again and again, and you've probably heard it, but I'm going to use it again. I look at a wall on the U.S.-Mexican border the way that I look at a wing on an airplane. Without the wing, the airplane won't fly, but a wing by itself goes nowhere. If we could put the deflector shield from the Starship Enterprise on the U.S.-Mexican border, it would be helpful, but it wouldn't solve the problem. That, that would not fly. Okay? What would fly is seeing that wall on the Mexican border as being a component of an immigration system that would finally, for once and for all, have some meaningful integrity. That's the issue. So when you're talking about taking an unknown number, millions of illegal aliens who ran America's borders, entered the United States, not undocumented, entered the United States without inspection. They entered surreptitiously. They entered in stealth mode. They trespassed on our country. There's no way of knowing who the hell they are, when they got here, why they came here, who they're affiliated with. And Francisco said, well, we're going to get them out of the shadows. Folks, the only ones coming out of the shadows are the ones who want to come out of the shadows. They, these are all the false statements that the advocates for DACA and amnesty and all this other nonsense want. In reality, we're biting off far more than we can chew when we adjudicate applications for immigration benefits. There's a division of citizenship and immigration services known as USCIS, United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. USCIS does the adjudications of all the applications. It's a job I'm very familiar with. I spent a year as an immigration examiner, as the adjudicators were called back, I hate to say this, in the 1970s. God, do I sound old or what? Today, that, that position is known as that of immigration adjudications officer. So <clears throat> we have far too many applications going through the system every year, at least six million, six million. There's precious time for the adjudications officer to really adjudicate. It's kind of a mad dash. It's kind of like Lucy at the Bonbon Factory, those of you old enough to remember Lucille Ball and, 
Ethel Mertz, her sidekick, working in the candy factory trying to wrap all the candies, and they just couldn't keep up with the speed at which the candles were hurt, candies were hurtling at them. That's the adjudications officers right now. Imagine adding to their inbox unknown millions of additional applications filed by aliens who snuck into the country. It's a prescription for a disaster. And let's remember, you know, an expression that had been used frequently. When I was on Newsmax earlier today, uh, I used this point also. That, uh, pardon me, I got a frog in my throat that won't go away. Um, You know, we used to hear constantly, it was almost a mantra, in order to be successful, the terrorists only have to get it right once. For America to be safe, our people have to get it right 100% of the time. Folks, let me make this point very clearly and very simply. Every single time an alien enters the United States, I don't care if the alien comes with a tourist visa or runs the border. I don't care if the alien comes through the visa waiver program, a program that never should have been continued after 9-11, but it's been expanded because of the lunacy going on in America. But every time an alien manages to get into the United States, that alien provides the potential for the terrorists to get it right, for an attack to take place. Look at what two brothers did to the Boston Marathon, the Tsarnaev brothers. Look at what that piece of trash couple did at San Bernardino, two people. Nineteen hijackers on 9-11 caused more mayhem and more casualties on U.S. mainland than did the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, more casualties. And people are still dying because of their exposures to the toxins at Ground Zero first responders and so forth. And a week ago I wrote about how um, civilian people who, not the first responders, but just volunteers who said, we're going to help dig through the pile. We're going to look for human remains. We're going to try to see if we could find any survivors that we can rescue. Their levels of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, at least double that of the um, emergency service people, the first responders. So so many people suffered so much on 9-11, the suffering hasn't stopped. And so we have Nancy Pelosi coming out of left field, interjecting the 9-11 attack. And by the way, she didn't call it an attack. This is another one I couldn't believe. When I got the call today from Laura's producer, you know, we usually have a conversation prior to the show where I find out what we're going to talk about, find out if they want to know if I'm interested, uh, and so forth. And, And by the way, they do something that's very ethical. And, and, I, and, you know, for as critical as I am of the news media, let me be clear. There are times when the news media use what they call the pre-interview as a way of censorship. You know, if you say something and they, it's not going with the narrative that the network wants or the host wants, they withdraw the invitation. Oh, sorry, Mr. Cutler, we're going in a different direction. Sure you are. Well, that's not how Laura does it. Her people call me up. Do you want to be on the show? Yes, fine. Okay, you're on. Now, here's the topics, you know, well, these are the topics. Would you like to come in? Yes. And so we, we firm that up, and then they'll say, well, where do you want to go with the conversation? Not as a test to see if I'm going to go in the direction they want, but simply so that Laura knows where I want to take the conversation when I'm on air. So what blew my mind is the producer calls me up, and we have this conversation, and she said, would you believe that Nancy Pelosi referred to 9-11 as an incident? 
an incident. Folks, I'm in the twilight zone. The idea that Nancy Pelosi could refer to the terror attacks of 9-11 that caused the death of well over 3,000 people, given all those who died because of their exposures to the toxins and so forth, people that had the heart attacks because of post-traumatic stress. I don't even know what the numbers are anymore. I I wonder if we've hit 4,000 by now. Think about that. Calling that an incident? Why didn't you say it was a bad hair day? And I remember during our conversation, I said, this woman is truly crazy. I I mean, really, I would not want to read her mind. I'd probably suffer some kind of damage. You know, if Spock from Star Trek fame uh, did a mind meld with her, he'd probably become psychotic or at least suffer permanent brain damage. To call the incident, 9-11 terror attacks, the incident on 9-11, the incident? It was a bad hair day? There was too much rain? The incident? You know, the stuff that comes out of the mouths of our supposed leaders blow my mind. You really have to wonder what they would have done if they had a job in real life. And that's how I look at it. Washington is not real life. And more and more I'm convinced that Washington is not real life. Because more and more, when you listen to the crap that comes out of the mouths of some of these inhabitants of the political realm, you know it's not real life. I don't know what it is, but real life? No way. No way on God's green earth. So, clearly, immigration fraud is a huge issue, something that Pelosi didn't want to address. So she's going back to the wall. And, and obviously, she's up against the wall because of her own doings and the doings of her friends, Gillibrand and Schumer and all these others out there. And how did that happen? Calling for the disbanding of ICE. And I think the American people made it clear that they do not represent us, we the people. This isn't a left-right issue. Democrats and Republicans ought to be concerned about national security. Democrats and Republicans ought to be concerned about public safety. Democrats and Republicans ought to be concerned about the future of their children and their children's children. This isn't a left-right issue, folks. This is a right-wrong issue. And I think suddenly the Democrats are running around in circles. They're probably going to the pollsters. And, boy, there's a bunch of charlatans if ever we saw them. You know, the people that talk about Latino voters and black voters, they they do a divide-and-conquer nonsense narrative. But I'm sure that the poll numbers were were scaring Miss Pelosi, and they probably said, oh, my God, the American people are fed up with us. We're going to get hammered in the midterm. Well, we want border security. Going back to 2007, we wanted to – listen, folks, I was doing TV in 2007, and I predicted on all the networks that I was on back then, believe it or not, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, uh, and so forth, I said they're never going to build a wall. They're never going to – they don't want the wall. Neither party wants the wall. They're globalists. And the wall by itself won't solve all the problems. Uh, Again, I compare the wall on the border to a wing on an airplane. The biggest issue that confronts us, in my judgment, having done the job that I did, immigration fraud. Ironically, the very first hearing where I ever testified before Congress was held on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years after the terror attacks of 93, first the shooting at the CIA by a Pakistani by the name of Kansi, and then the first Trade Center bombing that left six dead, more than a 1,000 injured, and a half billion in damages inflicted on that 
complex of buildings in Lower Manhattan that were the jewel of, of Lower Manhattan. Um, and also six, four and a half months before the terror attacks, as it would turn out, of 9-11. And the topic of the hearing was immigration fraud and visa fraud, immigration application benefit fraud and visa fraud. And that hearing was held because of those attacks in 93. So everyone understands how critical immigration fraud is. And yet, we have members of Congress, both sides of the aisle, and they've written about this, it should be up soon, saying we've got to solve the DACA problem. We've got to protect the DACA recipients. Folks, we don't got to do nothing, okay? I know it's bad English, but this is foolishness. Um, if this was really about children, by the way, I've got to make the point. When Mr. Obama stood in the Rose Garden back on June 15, uh, 2012, and said, Congress failed to act, I'm acting up, Congress voted no to the DREAM Act. And the DREAM Act was a scam. It's about the children, right? By the way, the DREAM Act includes the word alien. I always have to make that point. It's about the children. Then why was the age cut off for the DREAM Act, 35 years of age? When Obama stood in the Rose Garden, the age cutoff became 31. By now, aliens as old as 36 or 37 years of age would be able to file to participate in DACA if they claimed that they came prior to their 16th birthday. If this was really about the children, the DREAM Act should have said, if you're under the age of 21, if you're under the age of 22, something reasonable. The reason they made the age cutoff 35 was because they did studies that showed that that would cover potentially 90% of the illegal alien population. They were expecting, anticipating, and hoping for massive fraud. Massive fraud, even though the 9-11 Commission warned that immigration fraud was the key vulnerability used by terrorists to enter the United States and embed themselves. So you have the politicians to this day. And what are they saying? Oh, we've got to protect the DACA kids. Really? The DACA kids could be 37 years old today, folks. And there's no capacity to do any field investigations. They don't even have the capacity to do interviews. What could possibly go wrong? And so this then brings me to my latest article for Front Page Magazine. And really, I, I want you to go and read it. Sometimes things sink in better when you're able to read it. I'm going to try to give you a run-through. And so if, if you don't feel like reading, here it is. But if you really want to check out the nuts and bolts, read the article. Check out some of my other articles over at Front Page. I'm very proud to have been writing for Front Page magazine, which, by the way, is a production of the David Horowitz Freedom Center, the same uh, organization that arranged for me to participate in a panel discussion with Senator Jeff Sessions and Congressman Louis Gohmert and, Jeff, and uh, John Fleming several years ago in um, West Palm Beach, Florida. An unbelievable several days in Florida, and uh, it was a privilege beyond privileges to share the panel discussion uh, with Jeff Sessions, Louis Gohmert, and John Fleming. So, you know, check out my articles. I've been trying my best to wake everybody up. And i got to tell you, listening to Pelosi talking about the 9-11 Commission, stunning beyond words. But again, she glossed over it and said, in part, borders. She's right. The bigger issue was interior enforcement. The bigger issue was immigration fraud. 
So now we get to my article. And again, the title of my article today is Lies of the Soros-Backed Immigration Lobby, Why Americans Should Worry About Their Dishonest Agenda. What got me to write this article was actually a piece that appeared on the website for an organization known as the American Immigration Council. Uh, It's one of the mouthpieces, if you will, of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. Immigration lawyers, let me just start this out by saying something. They would love to see comprehensive immigration reform or DACA or anything else, not to get the aliens out of the shadows to protect America because people, excuse me, aliens with outstanding warrants will stay in the shadows. They just want people to come out of the shadows and go to their offices. That's what they want because that's clientele for these lawyers. When they attempted unsuccessfully, fortunately unsuccessfully, to pass comprehensive immigration reform, one of the elements included that legal fees would be paid for by the federal government. And people said to me, oh, well, that's because they're pandering to the illegal aliens. And they say to these people, you're dumb. Who in their right mind pander to the powerless? You don't pander to the powerless. No one's pandering to the homeless, okay? People pander to people that have authority, power, or they have another agenda. The reason for providing attorney fees for illegal aliens wasn't to help the aliens. It was to help the lawyers because lawyers hate to work for free. Think billable hours. Think billable hours. So the whole idea was we'll get the government to pay the legal fees and the lawyers will be happy. Oh, by the way, how many members of Congress are immigration lawyers, including some of them who hold chairmanships and so forth? So this is collusion between politicians and attorneys. Can you imagine a, a, a better bunch of folks you'd want to hang around with? My goodness gracious. And, and look, I, I want to be fair. There are good lawyers. I, I do believe in the criminal justice system. I do believe in due process. And I do know that there are some good politicians out there. You may have to do a lot of research and digging to find them, but there are a few good guys out there, people like my, my good friend Lou Barletta, certainly Jeff Sessions, although he's the attorney general now, as the senator from Alabama, boy, oh, boy, did he give his people much to be proud of, his constituents, and, in fact, all Americans. And I say this as a Democrat from Brooklyn. Jeff Sessions' position on immigration virtually paralleled my own, and incredibly, here's this Republican demonstrating nothing but extreme concern about the plight of American workers. Think about that, the plight of American workers. So clearly... Jeff Sessions is on the right page, and he was a politician. Uh, Chuck Grassley, again, excellent politician. We can go down the list. There were some of them. Not enough. That's the problem. So the immigration lawyers are out there, and, of course, what they're pushing for is comprehensive immigration reform or DACA or, or whatever. And apparently there's concern that the Trump administration is actually taking the adjudications process seriously. Under Obama, we had the guy that ran USCIS telling the workers, the employees of USCIS, the adjudications officers, whatever you do, get to yes. Whatever you do, get to yes. What did that mean? Approve the applications. Don't you go denying anything. If someone files an application, you rubber stamp approve it. Get to yes. Get to whatever it takes. Ignore the law. Ignore the fraud. Get to yes. Never mind that the 9-11 Commission warned 
that immigration fraud undermine national security as well as the integrity of the immigration system? Get to yes. Now, Jeff Sessions knows better than that. And so Jeff Sessions and the president, they got together and they came up with a new policy. And what's the policy? You're going to love this. And it's something that I did as an adjudications officer back in the 70s. I was part of a pilot program. We had a lot of applications for residency coming into the office back then in the 70s in New York City, people getting married to get green cards. And all of a sudden, the normal amount of applications went through the roof. Went through the roof. And the guy who ran the unit back then, a a gentleman by the name of Dick Guthrie, Richard Guthrie, uh, one of the best bosses I ever worked for. Uh, Nothing but fond memories of working for him because I volunteered for a one-year assignment. And Dick Guthrie looked at the number of applications and started to look at the people that were getting married. And suddenly it dawned on him that these people probably weren't living together. Why? Well, you had people from very different cultures. Now, that's fine. That can happen. But the woman is, you know, 64 and, 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 and the groom is 24 and they both work in a diner, okay? Or uh, other bits of information showed up. Will you look at it and say, would, some, would, would a woman who's 60 years of age normally marry a guy who's 26 years younger than she is? Probably not. Or, or vice versa. So what, what wound up happening was that they decided they were going to create what became a pilot program to bring these people in for an interview, have adjudications officers interview them, and if it turned out that there were major discrepancies and they wouldn't admit that they were lying to have agents, the the investigators from the fraud unit, immediately be assigned to the case. They would do a second interview. If that didn't work, you would conduct a field investigation, and if you found that the people weren't living together, you would deny the application. You'd get an administrative warrant for the alien's arrest, and you'd go out and arrest the alien. We did it all the time. You'd go into the neighborhood. You'd show photographs. And the woman would say, oh, yes, I recognize that woman. She's been living there for the last five years. But I don't know who the guy is. Well, the guy claims he's been living here for the last three years. I've never seen him. Do you know where he works? Well, you go to the place where the guy claimed he worked. And the employer says, you know, this guy um, doesn't indicate that he's married. He doesn't, no. And, and, and does he have insurance? Yes. And, and who does he claim uh, is the beneficiary? His brother. Not his wife? No. Well, I guess they're not living together, or the woman, if she was the American, uh, would do that. So clearly there was a problem. We even had access to the welfare computers back then before they stopped it. So we had women who claimed to have multiple children and no husband and no means of support getting welfare. And suddenly she's claiming to be married, so we gave them a choice. Do you want to keep your husband or do you want to keep your welfare check? Well, a lot of these people suddenly said, "Mm, I think I need my welfare check. So what they would do is admit that they weren't really living with a husband. They would withdraw the application. As soon as the application was withdrawn, we could then get an administrative warrant for the alien, go out and arrest the alien and seek the alien's deportation. If the couple admitted in the office that they really weren't living together because we reminded them that when they signed the application, they signed a notification that said, I know that if I lie, I can go to jail for five years for violation of Title 18, United States Code, Section 1546, visa fraud, or or, uh, 1001, 
you know, I'm sorry, Title 18, Section 1001, which is making a false statement. So when they were confronted and you saw the discrepancies, very often they would say, you're right, I'm not living with her. She's not living with me. Whatever. The agents would come down and take the alien into custody immediately. Suddenly, it wasn't a zero-sum game. Suddenly, the alien realized that if he or she was caught in trying to defraud the system, there were immediate consequences. Even if they weren't being criminally prosecuted, they would face deportation. It makes perfect sense. They lied on the application. They're not entitled to the benefit they were looking for. What's the remedy? Deport the alien. No problem. They're out of here. So we've got this lawyer. He's an immigration attorney writing for this website. And and I have to read this to you because it blows my mind. The the guy's name, by the way, is Joshua Bryceblatt. He's the senior policy analyst for the American Immigration Council. When you look at his bio, and it's available on on their website, he has an extensive background in immigration law. He's no novice. He's a sharp guy, very bright. He understands the issues, I promise you. And he says this. Uh, by the way, the title of the article, this is really wild. The title tells you right off the bat where he's coming from. USCIS is slowly being morphed into an immigration enforcement agency. <clears throat> what does that mean? If you file a tax return and falsify information, do you not expect that someone's going to knock on your door and maybe introduce you to a pair of handcuffs? Are you kidding me? So we're supposed to just be providing benefits at USCIS with no consequences if the application is not approved. Well, that went on under Obama. And I hate to tell you, to a very great extent, it it went on under the Bush administration too, good old George W., but not under the Trump administration, not on uh, on um, Attorney General Sessions' watch. What he's doing is rational, it's reasonable, there's certainly precedent for it, and it makes sense, and it helps to defend the integrity of the immigration system. And by the way, if you enhance the integrity of the immigration system, you're enhancing America's national security too, because they're interconnected. Just as border security is national security, integrity of the immigration program also is a a measure of the integrity of national security. So here here are the three paragraphs that blow my mind. I've got to read this to you. Again, this is from this article, USCIS is slowly being morphed into an immigration enforcement agency. What a bunch of nonsense. U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, USCIS, issued new guidelines to initiate deportation proceedings for thousands of applicants denied for any immigration benefit. This policy change will have far-reaching implications for many of those interacting with the agency, but also signals a major shift in how USCIS operates. USCIS has never meant to be tasked with immigration enforcement. Folks, That's a lie. It wasn't under Obama, but it absolutely was. That's why every one of those applications has the warning that if you lie, you can go to jail for five years. And by the way, if you commit immigration fraud in in behalf of terrorism, you could be looking at 20 or 25 years in prison. So when I hear this nonsense 
You know, I, my, my head wants to explode. Let me, let me go back and read this again. <clears throat> USCIS was never meant to be tasked with immigration enforcement. Their mandate has always been administering immigration benefits. With its distinct mission, USCIS was created to focus exclusively on their customer service function, processing applications for visas, green cards, naturalization, and humanitarian benefits. The new USCIS guidance instructs staff to issue a notice to appear to anyone who is unlawfully present when an application, petition, or benefit request is denied. This will include virtually all undocumented applicants as well as those individuals whose lawful status expires when their request is pending before the USCIS. Holy smoke. So in other words, the job of USCIS is to rubber stamp the applications. And I wrote about this in two different pieces. One, I wrote about how the Trump administration was creating a task force to go after people who acquire naturalization citizenship by lying. Again, immigration fraud, major factor in national security. And I also wrote about how at USCIS they changed the mission statement, and that parallels something that I had said at a hearing. I said that back then when I was working for the INS, Doris Meisner, the former commissioner of the INS, said that we needed to be customer-oriented. Customer-oriented. That's what we're hearing here now. Customer service function. Customer-oriented. However, I made the point that where I disagreed with our former commissioner was the question as to who the customer is. See, foolish me, I thought the customers of the federal government of the United States of America, I thought the customers were the citizens of the United States of America. Doris Meisner and Barack Obama and folks under the Bush administration apparently thought that the customers are illegal aliens. That's the lunacy that we've been witnessing for far too long in the United States. And that's why you have an explosion in the number of illegal aliens trying to come into the country with the expectation that if they lie on an application, nothing bad will happen. And if they succeed, they get a green card. And if they don't succeed, nothing. Suddenly, they stand to lose everything. It's a, it's a proper strategy. And I saw another article where somebody had written, oh, if you don't dot your I's and cross your T's, no, that's baloney. The standard, folks, the standard is that you would have a problem if you lied about a material fact. Nobody cares if you claim you first started living in a house three weeks earlier, three weeks later, unless, again, it becomes material for some other reason. But when people lie and say, I'm living with Charlie, and then Charlie admits we're not living together, do you think we ought to let that just slide? Oops, slight difference of opinion. She thought they were really living together, but the husband said, no, I've never lived with her. Oops, minor mistake. Really? This is what we're talking about. But this, again, comes back to this tactic of vilifying immigration law enforcement personnel. They're just waiting for you to say something so they can drop a chair on your head, a safe on your head, like the Acme cartoons and Warner Brothers. You know, we got you. No one's looking to play the game of gotcha, folks. We're simply saying, if you're not living with somebody, you claim you are, 
We prove that you're not living with the person. We could prosecute you. We're not going to. We're just going to send your sorry backside back to your home country. And this immigration lawyer says, oh, my God, where do they come off? Why in the world would you deport somebody who's here illegally and gets married so he doesn't live with her? So they lied. Big deal. Really? Honestly? The problem that we have is there's so much out there in the media that are based on lies and falsehoods designed to confound any honest conversation designed to make it impossible for the average American to understand how this swindle is taking place. The swindle is taking place in a multitude of ways, and the most disturbing part of it all is that this swindle costs us lives. This swindle was the tactic used by terrorists to enter the United States and embed themselves in the United States, hide in plain sight. Please understand just how serious a threat this creates for national security and public safety. And so you have an immigration attorney who clearly understands the nature of our laws. Believe me, this guy is not a novice. This guy is is, is not some clown who has no idea. He knows. He knows. And he writes this article, I guess, hoping that people will read it. And again, what's the message Oh, those terrible immigration law enforcement personnel. And in point of fact, all that is happening, all that is happening is that the president is trying to take back control of the immigration system and imbue it with meaningful integrity, which again is something the 9-11 Commission spoke about. And, And that's what makes it so amazing to listen to Nancy Pelosi today when I was taping the program, which, again, will be airing tonight, 10 o'clock East Coast time on Fox News, and listen to Pelosi talk about how the Democrats have always wanted to secure the border, but the Republicans don't want to secure the border. I got whiplash listening to her. My head got snapped this way and then got snapped that way, but, of course, leaving out immigration fraud. Immigration fraud is the critical element. All criminals have one common trait. All of them lie. They lie about all sorts of things. They lie about their identities. That's why identity theft is up, because you have millions of illegal aliens stealing identities so they can work illegally in the United States. Criminals lie about their identities, which is why we fingerprint criminals, because we know that they're going to lie about who they are. And when they lie about who they are, that creates a nightmare for us. So they lie. And it's the lies that we need to combat. And the Trump administration policies are doing precisely that. The Trump policies would make aliens who lie subject to deportation. Heck, in an ideal world, they should all go to jail before we deport them. But, but this is exactly what we're looking at the reality that you have aliens lying on applications to get green cards, to get political asylum, to get citizenship. And again, let's look at how these lies kill. Think about the Tsarnaev brothers, if you remember the Boston attack. The Tsarnaev family came to the United States from Russia. They 
came with visas, but when their time was up, they said, we can't go home. We have a credible fear that if we go back to Russia, we're going to face persecution or worse. They lied. We gave them political asylum. They maintained political asylum. They went back to Russia. They came back to the United States. Nobody took any action against them. They became resident aliens. Nobody took any action against them. One of them became a U.S. citizen, one of the two brothers. And then they launched this deadly terror attack at the Boston Marathon. And you're going to think about that and think about what this position is from this lawyer. My God, they would have deported people, I guess like the Tsarnaev brothers. Well, guess what, folks? If those two thugs had been deported, the Boston Marathon attack would not have happened because they would not have been here. This is how insane and bizarre this push against immigration law enforcement is. We knew that airplanes were hijacked on 9-11. Look at the industry that has sprouted up based on airplanes being used basically as cruise missiles. The companies that are being given millions or maybe billions of dollars with those x-ray machines, and God only knows if ultimately there won't be health consequences. I just never trust these damn machines, you know. But we know that they took airplanes. We're going to make sure the terrorists don't get on the airplanes. How about making sure the terrorists don't get into the United States? How about making sure that terrorists don't have the opportunity to embed themselves in the United States and go about their deadly preparations to carry out deadly attacks in the United States? That's a whole other argument. Why? Because the agenda is for open borders. The agenda is to flood America with cheap, exploitable labor, with foreign tourists, foreign students, and clients for immigration lawyers. So everyone literally and figuratively makes out like a bandit, except for the people who fall victim to criminal aliens and terrorists, and the drugs, and the gangs. And it blows my mind. Lawyers are supposed to be officers of the court. In theory, and boy, oh boy, this is purely theory, lawyers should be as concerned about the integrity of the judiciary system or the judicial system um, from both sides of the, the equation, whether you're a prosecutor or a defense attorney. Everyone should be looking to bolster the integrity of that system. The criminal justice system hangs in the balance. I remember sitting on a couple of juries, and I remember that when the jury was given the case, each time the judge said, when there's a trial, it's not just the defendant who is on trial, but it's the American criminal justice system that is on trial. Wouldn't it be incredible? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be fantastic if immigration lawyers and members of Congress who are immigration attorneys would take that position to heart, to say, you know something? This is bigger than me and my desire for clients. This is bigger than my campaign contributions that will stop if I actually do what's right by America and Americans. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have elected representatives understand what the word represent really means and who they're supposed to be representing? Wouldn't it be wonderful? So I, I look at the madness 
watching Nancy Pelosi, and you've got to see the tape. I hope you get to see the program. You've got to read this article by this individual who's an immigration lawyer. And the things they write, the things they say, do not coincide with reality. This is a fantasy that they've created. The fantasy that somehow the kids being separated on the border was an act of intentional cruelty by the administration. Not the case. They ignore how many hundreds of thousands of American kids are in foster care. Because they don't care about the kids. They're just exploiting the kids, and that's just all that they do. They exploit the system. They exploit the language. They exploit the gullibility of American citizens. They exploit the cheap labor. And then they have the chutzpah to call exploitation of cheap labor a demonstration of compassion. It absolutely blows my mind. That noise, by the way, is a fierce thunderstorm. Uh, It seems to be directly over me right now. So if you hear strange noises in the background, you'll you'll know why that's happening. but but so in any event, I, I see I've got a call. Let me. I, I don't usually take calls, but I'm curious, so let me just do this real quickly, um, and, and see if we can find who this is. Hi, you're speaking to Michael Cutler. Who's this? Michael Cutler. It's a voice from the past, about six years in the past. This is Vince Daniels. You've, oh my goodness! Uh, been on my How program. are you, Vince? It's so good to hear your voice. <laughs> It's good to hear yours too. I am uh, I'm back at it on the radio and I actually was just got, actually looking for your website so that I could write to you in uh, con- you know be connected uh, over the phone so I can call you privately cuz I'd like to have you on my uh, program for a debate on uh, illegal immigration this uh, next Friday. My program is every Friday morning uh from 9 to 11 in uh, Southern California. And I would just love to have uh, my audience get to know you and for you to be a little more regular again. Uh, but it's been six years since I've been on the radio, but I'm back at it, and I'm, I'm, I'm fired up and ready to is go. The number, is the number you're calling in from the best number for me to reach you? Yeah, the one that showed is the 714. Yeah, it sure is. Yes, That's the yes. one, yes. Okay, yeah. uh, I, I, well, let me do this. I, I'm going to get ready to wrap up my program, and I need to tend to something. But within the next yes. uh, little bit, I will call you. I'm, I'm so glad you called in, Vince. Oh yeah, you know, I'm glad I, I, you're, you're world, out do you, there. Do you not think the world? Do you not think the world has gone mad? Oh, it has. But but but, but look at the good side of it all. Did, did we ever think we'd have a, a president that would uh, that, that would put this on the front pages every single day? Since he announced for office, we didn't expect that would no, ever happen. Any. No, I, I agree with you. But how can you ignore the obvious? You know, when you're on the Titanic and the boat is, is listing 45 degrees, how do you ignore the fact that the damn boat is sinking? Oh, I'm not ignoring any of that. I'm I'm not. Um, no, but I'm, I'm just we, saying. We, I, I think that all it was was a matter of the timing. He he took the pulse of the people and saw what was going on. Uh, I don't always agree with – I think the biggest problem Donald Trump has isn't his policies. It's the way that he explains what he's doing. You know, his own words become his biggest adversary on occasion, unfortunately. But I agree, agree. with his policies. Right, right. Well, listen, we could talk about this all off the air, too. Go back Absolutely, to your show. Absolutely, but I, I, it's good to speak with you, and uh, and, and I will actually, absolutely be getting back in touch with you and. 
you know, my, my goal is to get the message out there any way I can. I was happy to be on with Laura Ingram. Uh, I'll be doing that show. It'll be airing tonight, 10 o'clock East Coast time. I did a couple of Newsmax TV programs today. It's been a crazy day. And here I am, you know, doing my own Friday night radio program. But it's about waking up the American people and providing the truth, which, uh, you know, uh, um, George Orwell said that at a time of, of tyranny, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. So right. uh, here we are trying to tell the truth, you know. Like George Orwell and George Putnam. <laughs> and George Putnam, oh my goodness, the late, great George. Yes, indeed. Yeah, exactly. I, I had to say it to All somebody right, on the air today, but uh, illegal aliens, okay? They're making the whole thing sound like that we're putting them down, that we're their illegal people, and that's well, not what we're doing. But that's the game. That's, but that's the that's, game that yeah. gets played. Right. That's the game. Anyway, it's, it's about call me after your show. Language control. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I thank you so much for calling in. I'll be in touch with you. Okay. I hope I hear from you. If you can call this evening, that'd be great. Or tomorrow. Thank you, Vince. I'll be speaking with you very thank you. soon. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, anyway, that gentleman uh, is the host of a radio program I'd been on a show years ago. Interesting to hear back from him this evening. Um, but it's about getting the message out there, folks. That's the mission for this program. And that's why I want you to take that responsibility of communicating with your neighbors, having the debates, having the conversations, having the disagreements if need be. You know, the First Amendment, the right for peaceable assemblage, uh, very important. The word peaceable, paramount. No violence, no nastiness. You don't accomplish anything that way, and it's un-American. But an honest, open debate, that's what this republic has always been about, what it always must be about. And so I, I ask you to please become part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. Get the word out there. Engage your neighbors. Engage the folks that you're friends with. Have the conversation. Believe me, there are many misconceptions out there, and the best cure for those misconceptions is a conversation. You'd be amazed at how frequently people misunderstand the issues and misunderstand each other until they sit down over a cold beer or a cup of coffee and have at, have at it with a, with a peaceful, respectful, but fact-based conversation. That's the First Amendment at its best. That's America at its best. The stakes are very high. The consequences for failing to act could be devastating. We've lived through several terror attacks. I don't want any more such attacks to ever befall this nation. And the way that we fight back is by protecting America. That's what this is about. Not about xenophobia. Not about differentiating people by race, religion, or ethnicity. But about applying the laws so that we can be safer our country can be safer, and the future for our children can be brighter. That's what the laws are about. There's nothing in there about race, religion, or ethnicity. Let's push back against the lies, and let's do what we can to speak the truth to one another. Anyway, um, I want to thank all of you for listening to my program this evening. Please be certain to go to frontpagemagazine.com, frontpagemag.com, the social contract. Of course, my own website, obviously my own personal favorite, the Michael Cutler 
Hour. I'm sorry, the, I'm sorry, MichaelCutler.net. My radio show is the Michael Cutler Hour. The rain has me quite distracted at the moment. But I, I certainly value your willingness to take the time to pay attention to the facts and spread the word. Get the information out there and be part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. Um, so I will be seeing you guys all next time, same place right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. And please remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. Hope you have a great weekend. I hope uh, somebody pays the weather bill, and we'll see you next week. So long. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus